This podcast is sponsored by Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Biblically grounded, pastorally focused, and confessionally faithful. Hear more at the conclusion of today's program. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Students need a little bit of a more direct approach today, and so it's a it's a more um, straightforward approach to the uh, subject matter of the book. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I am Jonathan Master, joined as always by my friend James Dalza. And James, we have a follow-up interview today. I'm looking forward to uh, sitting and chatting with Gary Snicker again uh, about his book, Torah Story. We knew uh, that that when we went into the first interview that we were going to need more time, and we announced that at the end of our last episode. And so we are glad to welcome distinguished professor of Old Testament from Cairn University, Dr. Gary Snicker, in to talk about his uh, new edition uh, of his book, The Torah Story. So, Gary, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. So, Gary, the second edition same goals, same objective. Apprenticeship is your your dominant model, and that's kind of what you want your readers to have in their minds. Same emphasis on the narrative account um, and, and all of those things. But what is new? Well, I mean, a, a lot has changed in the field. And so uh, e- even first edition was kind of an early adopter of this kind of approach. So um, I've had a chance to work through a lot of things. But anyway, uh, to put it simple, there's new stuff in every chapter. But one of the things I, I looked at was I didn't want to just make this book thicker. So I actually cut out, I don't know, 27,000 words. So it's actually a, a trimmer book, even while I added a bunch of stuff. So it's a lot tighter. And it's just because of the um, sort of the changes of students I rewrote the introduction from scratch. Um, I wanted the introduction to be a little bit more direct. So, I I mean, I do not apologize for the introduction to the first edition. I I don't, Um, and I'm not repentant of it. But students need a little bit of a more direct approach today. And so it's a a more um, straightforward approach to the uh, subject matter of the book. One of the things that's um, been helpful is say, for example, uh, in the area of the dating of Deuteronomy. And so two different scholars have done really important work just in very recent years. So Gordon Johnston's work on Hittite covenants um, has shown um, kind of the important point that it, these are back in the late second millennium BCE. So in the 1200s BCE, you have these covenants being sent back and forth between Ramses II, and uh, I'm going to butcher this on purpose for any of my Akkadian friends, um, Hattushalis of uh, the Hittite Empire. And so the silver scroll um, that Hattulushi sent, it had to be read aloud across Egypt. And this is right in um, 12, the 1250s BCE. So anyway, Gordon Johnston has shown, you know, he's answered the question, how could the people of Israel or Moses 
have known anything about the Hittite covenant? Well, because one was being read all over Egypt right at that time. This combines with, say, uh, the work of Sandra Richter, and she's building off other scholars um, like Daniel Master. And she's working on the economics of Deuteronomy. And she is able to show that the economics of Deuteronomy, it presupposes a village economy, and it doesn't fit after there's a central government or a king. It has to be before that. And so these are two new pieces of evidence. They're kind of old things, but they're being put together in new ways, if I can put it that way, that all of a sudden are saying, you know, there's really good reason to think that the book of Deuteronomy is what it seems to be. So, Gary, can I can I push a little bit on that? Um, so that's a, as you said, an important sort of new way of, of looking at the the historical data. But what about, I mean, since your emphasis is less on that and more on the story itself, we know all of it's important, but but since it's less on that and more on the story itself, are there new ways that you are reading the narrative between edition one and edition two? So in other words, if we're focused on the narrative, if we're focused on the story, has your basic understanding of the big themes and the big picture and the, the progression of the books changed at all? It's certainly been strengthened. I mean, I felt really like I was sticking my neck out again and again in the first edition. So I've been uh, happily affirmed, or <laughs> whatever, I'm callous to it now, uh, is one sense. But yeah, I think doing a lot of research in the past number of years on the Bible's use of the Bible. So I've not added a bunch of new stuff into Torah Story 2nd Edition, but I've strengthened a lot of those areas. So a good example of something I wasn't sensitive to um, these many years ago is when Korah and the other rebels come up to Moses in uh, number 16, and they rebel. And they're giving half-truths. And I didn't think about them quoting the Bible, but they're saying, the whole assembly is holy. And so what's echoing in the background here is, the Lord says at Mount Sinai, you are a holy nation. You're a, a kingdom of priests. And the Lord commanded them in uh, Leviticus, the whole assembly, you shall be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. I don't think I was as tuned into the distortion of Scripture and the half-truths of the rebel Korah and his associates when they kind of used Scripture to push back against Moses and Aaron as lording it over them. So there's a biblical basis to their rejection of God's will. And I think that that's a really important um, insight is to recognize how it's not always good and bad. And okay, I'm going to make a bad argument. There, there's something very insidious in false doctrine that so often emerges from the scriptures themselves. And that's an important observation that I, again, um, I don't think I would have disagreed with it in my younger self, but I wasn't in touch with it. So many observations like that have been brought to bear on the second edition. Maybe not dissimilar to the way that Satan himself cites scripture in a kind of selective arrangement to Christ in the wilderness. 
Uh, for, I mean, for is, sure. there, is there just reaching into the New Testament, something like that going on in Korah? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, even James, the brother of our Lord says, right, the devils know that God is one and they shudder. And so there's something very kind, kind of Shema there. echoes in that almost. There, there is, but there's also he's leading up to Abraham, and so Abraham's test, right? Now I know you fear the Lord. Well, the devils shudder, but we have to kind of go deeper than that because hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, and that leads us to the beginning of Genesis 22. Take Isaac, your son, your only son the son you love, and hmm. sacrifice him to me. So in other words, it's it's fear of the Lord grounded in a sacrifice that shows love. So it's it's a different kind of fear than the devils have, if you will. But it's a very subtle reading of Genesis. So were there points in the second edition, since you've been teaching this for so long, and and, and a number of people have used this book over the years, where you consciously incorporated things that your your students or others have noticed um, about the text or things that you didn't. I mean, in other words, I guess what I'm asking is how much of this has been generated just through um, your own personal study and how much is generated through the study that you've done with other apprentices in the Torah? That's exactly it. I mean, I'm, I mean, you, you know me, Jonathan, I, I write out of the classroom. So um, all of my scholarship or research is run through the classroom. So I, I don't think I can divide it out. I think it's, I mean, I'm heavily indebted to uh, Old Testament scholars and what they've done over the past 15 years, but certainly arguing with and um, wrestling with and being challenged by students constantly. Yeah, I've learned a lot from the emboldened younger generation that's uh, not afraid to push back. Uh, things aren't the same in the classroom as they used to be. And so I've I've gained a lot from that. And even some other things too. I mean, the one thing I wanted to test, you know, there was a new theory out back when the first edition came out, uh, Mary Douglas's view of sacrifice, and she used an anthropological approach. Well, I've had one of my friends who does a lot of butchering, um, uh, Todd Williams. He he's been coming into my class for a number of years and showing how to field dress animals and and to get some of the details, the mechanics of sacrifice in Leviticus, um, to kind of think through from a priestly perspective how to read the details of Genesis and to test Mary Douglas's brilliant thesis. And in that case, it's really affirmed what was still sort of new back when the first edition came out and still sort of untested, but I wanted to find the right way to test it. And so, I mean, you know me, I, I don't shoot things. <laughs> so I, I buy my meat under cellophane. So I, I, I needed some help. And so um, I got some help from a good friend. <laughs> Gary, um, this has been a joy. I wish we had more time. I know we could talk uh, Pentateuch and talk Torah story uh, for even longer than we have, but we really appreciate your time and I uh, hope it goes without saying, appreciate your friendship very much and your labors in the Lord. Uh, just very grateful for you. It's a delight, Jonathan. I'm really great, grateful to spend this time with you and James. 
as we often feel, we have hardly scratched the surface of this topic, mainly because the Pentateuch is worthy of a lifetime of study. And this book really does uh, a great job of introducing students to this um, important portion of scripture. I'm, I'm curious what some of your takeaways were at the end of this, uh, as we had had the chance to talk with Gary again. We've known him for a while. Were there things that struck you or impressed you about uh, this new edition or even just about the book as a whole? You know, we've talked to Gary in the past about his uh, 2021 book, uh, Old Testament Use of Old Testament, and it, I mean, he's he's really shown himself uh, to be capable at scripture's use of scripture. I I find it really interesting when he's drawing out, uh, you know, Pentateuch's use of Pentateuch, or or even recapitulations and developments of themes, uh, e- even as he's talking about. Jacob and Esau, and then later on, uh, Israel's engagement uh, with Edom and some of the um, uh, ironic carryover yes. uh, parallels there, or or even the the Joseph Judah narrative, kind of from Genesis thirty seven on, and then how the alignment comes with Benjamin uh, to Judah as opposed to Joseph, which would have been the biological connection uh, through the same mother. I think what it just even those little vignettes that Gary brought out in our discussion, I think are little are little taste samples of what readers can expect in this book. That there is that this book is really full of these kinds of discussions and uh, observations on the development and sometimes unexpected development of Pentateuch's narrative. So these these stood out to me. I hope I hope listeners got a taste of the kind of work that Gary's doing that they can expect to find uh, throughout this volume. Uh, so I hope I hope that was uh, en- encouraging to listeners. Yeah, I think to me it reinforced the the value of the time and the study that the, the um, Lord's enabled him to do. Th- these aren't things that immediately jump out on a first reading. Um, it's not to say they're not there, but it just takes time to study, and it's a reminder of how all of us need to be uh, diving deep into our Bibles and continuing to learn from one another. I loved it at the end when I asked him a question. I, I kind of expected him to answer this way, but I wasn't sure when I said, okay, how much have you learned just from your own personal study and reading the commentaries and that kind of thing, uh, which he does do. Uh, he's up to date on all of that, but and how much from the classroom? And he sort of said, you know, it's uh, it's all of the above. We're we we study the Bible in community with others, and we ask questions, and we learn from one another. And uh, what a good model of apprenticeship in the Scriptures, which is really what he's driving his readers toward. Well, I hope I hope that listeners pick it up uh, and read it, and really join that uh, apprenticeship program with Gary through this book. W- which you're right, he does. He, he doesn't just lead it; he he models it. He's been doing this for decades. I think we should emphasize this, and maybe he wouldn't want us to say it in discussion with him. So we should say it now that he's offline with us. <laughs> um, Gary does bring a level of experience and expertise that just couldn't be duplicated in maybe four or five years of a PhD program. This is the kind of book, and especially even the second edition, that could only be written with a lot of experience in the rearview mirror. And Gary Gary brings that. You're, you're reading someone who is seasoned in the teaching and the study of Torah. And it, it just sparkles and stands out above 
other contributions in its field because of that experience and lessons learned. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think you know this, James, because like you said, we have seen sort of the behind the scenes. He's he's in addition to his humility and his teaching, he's he's got to be just one of the hardest working students of scripture that that I, that I've met, and so uh, the Lord has has really blessed that, and uh, and we've all benefited from it. We uh, are grateful for you, our listeners. Thank you for listening to what may have been now two episodes, if you've listened to both of them. If you haven't, go back and listen to the first one. But we, we're grateful for you. We love hearing from you. Any suggestions, questions that you have, please send them along. If you know anyone else who might benefit from this, please uh, pass the word to them. Uh, if you can give us a review wherever it is that you download these these podcasts, uh, that helps. That helps us get the word out to others. Also, if you're able to make a donation to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, you can do that at alliancenet.org or placefortruth.org. There's a very easy drop-down button to donate there. And we still have copies of the second edition of the Torah Story, that, and we can give away the ones that we have. So if you're interested in that, you can go to placefortruth.org, click on the Theology on the Go link, enter your information there. As always, we... Thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Hello, I'm Jonathan Master, president of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. When I look back at what first drew me to the Alliance, it was Dr. Boyce speaking about the great need for reformation and a return to historic reformed confessions, biblical preaching, and thoughtful worship. Given the changes in our culture since then, that need is even greater today. The church today needs bold proclamation of sound doctrine, clear teaching of the Bible, and worship that is God-honoring and full of reverence and joy. At Greenville Seminary, we aim to meet this need by equipping men for pastoral ministry, men who are courageously committed to the truth, who are Christ-like in their character, committed to prayer, and called to be ministers of God's word in local churches. If you're interested in learning more about Greenville Seminary, either as a prospective student or as an interested friend, visit us at gpts.edu. Greenville Seminary, biblically grounded, pastorally focused, and confessionally faithful.